Let me mention something else the president said. It was a moment ago, and I didn't get a chance to, uh, when he was describing uh, Chinese investments and so oh, forth. Candy, hold Let on me, a second. Mr. President, I'm still speaking. I'm sorry. Mr. President, once we finish... I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. Governor Romney, you can make it short. See all these people? They've been waiting for you. Just going to make a point. Any investments I have over the last eight years have been managed by a blind trust. And I understand they do include investments outside the United States, including in Chinese companies. Mr. President, have you looked at your pension? Have you looked at your pension? I've got to say. Mr. President, have you looked at your pension? You know, I, I don't look at my pension. It's not as big as yours, so it doesn't well, take let me, let me give you some, the, let, me give, uh, let me give you some advice. I don't check it that often. Let me give you some advice. <laughs> look at your pension. You also have investments in Chinese companies. Yeah. You also have investments outside the United States. Yeah. You also have investments through a Cayman right. Trust. We're Come way, okay. we're right. way so, off topic so, here, Governor Romney. So, so, we're a little off topic here. Completely yeah. off the immigration. I thought we were talking about immigration. And we, yeah. I, I, I came back to what you were talking about. If I could have you sit down, Governor Romney, thank you. I do want to make sure that we just understand something. Good evening. And blessings, and welcome to another installment of the Gist for Freedom of Faith. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight. And we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. So I'm with Chet Wise, the Executive Director of Harlem for Obama. Uh, please talk about your coverage as an organization for this particular election. I know this is not the first debate watch party. Talk about your involvement in Harlem for Obama and lead us up to tonight. Well, Harlem for Obama was established actually in 2007, so we were one of the groups that helped uh, put uh, the president, when he was Senator Barack Obama, on the ballot in New York. We worked uh, very hard. We wound up having uh, two people, two of our people elected delegates, and uh, we built a grassroots campaign that was almost 3,000 strong in 2008. Uh, we're continuing the effort this time around, and sort of the same sort of strategy that we had the last time, where we're taking the Harlem energy because uh, New York has already uh, given state for Obama, taking that energy and the resources and trying to leverage the battleground states. Because if we don't get key states such as uh, Pennsylvania, we will lose this election. So our focus here is, uh, you know, really uh, generating as much enthusiasm as possible, channeling that that we become effective in the battleground. If I had more time, I would give you more time to plug the organization. But because the debate is about to begin, I want to segue into foreign policy. Where do you think the difference is between both candidates as it relates to foreign policy? Right. There's an, there is an actual foreign policy engagement and strategy with the administration. It has kept us out of, uh, it's gotten us, uh, had us close some wars, and kept us out of that kind of engagement and moving more toward uh, diplomacy. You know, the Republican policy is shoot first to ask questions later, you know, shock and awe. You know, any any sort of uh, uh, any sort of uh, aggression that they say they want to meet it with 
with uh, enormous aggression. And that's not the way to settle things in, in 2012. There are many people who say that debates are important. You have people on the opposite side who say debates are not important. Uh, do you think that these debates are so important that after tonight we can say one person will win this election over the other? This, this is a critical debate, all right? As we've seen with the first debate, uh, a, a poor performance on a debate that has enormous impact. So I, I think the president, I know the president will do well in this debate. I think he will showcase the fact that uh, Governor Romney is really an empty suit when it comes to foreign policy. That's going to help us in the next two weeks. Okay. Then I will just tell you to flip the script. What does Mitt Romney have to do to, to pull a good performance out tonight? Uh, Mitt Romney has to have the kind of debate that uh, when Saturday Night Live runs it this weekend, he drops the mic. I don't think that's going to happen. Right, thank you for your time. Hopefully we can get your thoughts after the debate is over. Great. All right, so I'm joined with Malak Shabazz, daughter of Malcolm X, and I wanted to get Dr. Betty Shabazz. Dr. Betty Shabazz, we don't want to leave that out, thank you. Uh, I want to get your reaction to the debate. What did you think before the debate, and what did you think after watching it? Well, after uh, the second debate, um, uh, I knew it was on, and he was going to win. I mean, I've been with Obama since he did his first speech at the DMC when he was a senator, and I knew if he ran, that was it. He, he had been. I would work tirelessly for him. Um, I think that um, this debate, before and after, I, the second one, I think the first one he was just kind of thinking, I, for whatever reason I can't even explain, but I didn't think it was as bad as people thought, and Romney wasn't that great, but because Obama was a little just laid back too much, you know, I think the Romneys got a little too excited, and they shouldn't have. It was premature. The second debate he got totally ripped apart. Uh, he was very disrespectful, and he just showed, he's a part of that 1% that really just too disrespectful, and we're not having it. You know, and he doesn't even see that he's being disrespectful. The third one, I think Obama came out and just said, I'm just going to let it, let everybody have it. But I really appreciated him trying to pull people on international politics, because a lot of Americans aren't aware what's going on there, and, but foreigners are aware of what's going on here. And I think we do ourselves a service by downloading unnecessary issues off the internet and not downloading what is really there. Because some people say, what is he doing? It's there for us to, to, to do our research, and we have to educate ourselves. Like my mother said, you know, don't blame everybody else for your ignorance. If the resources are there, educate yourself. And I think he did that. I think he spoke to the layman. Uh, when Romney said the ISI and the this and the other, he was using acronyms. And I work at the United Nations, so I, we speak in acronyms. But your average person is not going to know what that means. That could mean a, a, a slew of things. And Obama was trying to speak to the people. I think he got across very well. Um, with charm, with dignity, with education, with intelligence, and uh, I just know he's going to win. But I really think we need to support him because he's been attacked from day one. They made it very clear that they were not going to support him and they would fight him every step of the way, and he persevered. He's done many, many great things, but they're only focusing on the little other other things that he's doing. And I think people need to look at the pros and cons of both candidates and, and choose from there.
because, like, in a marriage, everybody doesn't get along, but they still make it work. We can make it work with him because he has our best interests at heart, but he has our best interests at heart on a global perspective, not just a domestic perspective. And I travel a lot and in Africa and Europe and the Caribbean, and they are feeling more comfortable with him. Uh, President, more so than in this country. I think a lot there's a lot of confusion. But let me just make this point. Kofi Annan was the first true African uh, black uh, Secretary General of the United Nations. And Barry Gurry Roberts, the first President of the General Assembly. That was, that was like President, Vice President. It never happened, never will happen again. But if you add all of the Secretary Generals uh, 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 before him and put those conflicts together, double it, that's what he did in two terms. He did it because he cared. He made people understand Africa. He made people understand Asia. He made people understand Europe and how we depend on each other. Most people wouldn't do that. And I'll just tell one piece, some people, there's a mineral, I can't remember the name of it, 68% of it comes out of Congo. Nobody wants to know about Africa, but everybody cares about the Congo in their back pocket. That camera, that TV, that flash screen, but you want to know what's over there. Kofi made us understand that. Obama is trying to make us understand that. Romney doesn't want to hear that. He wants us to just stay here, but do business separately. He said he wants to help business, but he wants to deal with China. He put off so much worse than Perry. But, you know, Obama is sticking to the point and, and basically standing up to what he is saying and what he's doing. He's not backtracking. Good, bad, or indifferent, he's standing up to what, he, what his actions are. And I know he's going to win. I don't think uh, Americans are as naive as the media is portraying. I think the media has been a little bit manipulated. Not you, of course. But, you know, you're dealing with urban issues. And that's what we have to did I hear you say you work at the United Nations or you did work at the United Nations? I do. I'm uh, I'm an affiliate. There's affiliates and staffers. Uh, staffers, their hands are tied. You know, they have to watch what they say. Uh, I'm an NGO. I'm in the UN uh, an NGO Human Rights Committee, and I'm the co-chair for the Subcommittee of Elimination Against Racism. So I travel globally, and I see the racism globally. Not just black and white. You can't be limited to here because too many foreigners come here to live. So it's not a black and white issue anymore like it was in the 50s, 60s. It's a global issue and uh, it's about respect and dignity and we have to give it to each other but one group can't just give it uh, and, and and not accept it. They don't want to give it, they just want to take it and not give it and it's unfortunate. Um, you know, they talk about religion, they talk about faith, they bring about non-issues. Well, Romney doesn't want to talk about the Merrill Church, who didn't even have black people until 1978. He doesn't want to talk about that. He doesn't want to talk about calling, you know, the Cain's hurt, how we should be servants of servants. He doesn't want to talk about that. So the religion thing is in there. But Obama is not a Muslim. He's a Christian. But there's nothing wrong with being a Muslim Christian or a Mormon or a Jew or anything. And then picking issues that make no difference, they promote hate and racism, when they should be talking about the economy, education, health, here. Those are the issues, and women's rights for that matter. Since you work at the UN, I feel more comfortable asking you, specifically when it comes to foreign policy tonight's debate, what stood out for you for tonight in the debate? Um, him being clear on his position, talking about the issues of Iran, of Pakistan, of China, and not flip-flopping. He didn't waver. One minute, uh, Romney said, you know, I'm not going to bail out business, but he's doing business with China, who's dealing with the oil that supports Iran, but he wants sanctions against Iran. Uh, 
that's confusing. You know, you can't go with the, uh, the United States. Uh, China has our debt, but they're dealing with the 1% of Romneys, not the rest of the people. We've outsourced jobs. They want to say that about uh, uh, unemployment. It happened under Clinton. People have to remember, because Clinton said it in the Democratic National Convention. He started two years of workfare for welfare. After two years, you're on your own. No more uh, feeding off the government. And so, when under uh, W. Bush, excuse me, President W. Bush, uh, he did nothing about it, and Obama did do something about it. Uh, and Clinton basically said, you know, basically 62% of people on welfare are white, and affirmative action recipients are white women. So they're never going to repeal affirmative action, they're never going to stop welfare. But that's going to hurt more white people in this country, but they try to make it seem a minority. And I think Obama made that clear. Uh, if you look at all of his speeches, but even listen to what Clinton said. Um, about China, about Pakistan, uh, George W. Bush had two choices, ensure 35 million American children or give $6 billion to Pakistan to protect the, the nuclear plant. So guess who got the money? Pakistan. So Obama's, and also let me just say another thing a lot of people aren't aware of. ABC, the drug that was initially for AIDS, was created in the Defense Department. All the drugs up until Obama were in the Defense Department. He put it back into the health department where it belongs. Ergo, the insurance companies are having their 20 year free for all taken away. And uh, health care, we need health care. 43%, 40 million. Americans don't have health care. When I travel, they look at me and say, Americans don't want health care. They don't want social services, which is welfare. They don't want to protect their elderly. That's because there's been a free-for-all with 1% for the past 20-some-odd years until Obama. And I think because he was on student loans, because he comes from a mixed family, because he's dealt with Asia, Africa, and the United States, and Michelle growing up in the inner city with scholarships, dealing with student loans, I think he's more in tune with the American people to understand. Because in Europe, they get taken care of. And, and Canada, people go to Canada for free. We, our, our elderly should not be choosing between food and medication and rent. So I think he's really more in tune with us, with the government, and globally. They understand it because it's happening all over the world. And they're looking for us for guidance. Excuse me. And uh, Romney just isn't it. Because all, every country has a Romney group. And they said it's not going to work because he flip flops way too much. He split one minute he's for China, next minute he wasn't. So I think everybody should vote for Obama uh, in, in this race. Well, there's no question on who you're supporting. Um, Excuse me? I said there's no question on who you're supporting. No, I always have it. I mean, if, if uh, Romney made sense, maybe I'd think about it, but he's not. Look, he really is not. And he's not, he's been very disrespectful to the president, and he is the president of the United States. And the two countries, two states that he shows as good examples was Arizona and Rhode Island. But they were the last ones to do the Martin Luther King Day, and they were the first ones to stop and frisk when stop and frisk out in Arizona means everybody who's not white. Uh, go to Massachusetts. I went to college in Massachusetts. There are a lot of Irish and Italians illegal, but nobody looks at them. They're only looking at people of color. And that's got, that's got to change, and I think even the Obama family shows a great, lovely example of a loving, black, strong family. And it dispels all of the myths of how they're redefining us. So, 
Yes, I am pro Obama. I am. Aren't you? I am. Oh, you can't say that because you're... Well, I, I mean, I can have an opinion. I'm a political commentator, but um, I don't think there's anything wrong with having an opinion. Oh, no, I'm for Obama. And it's just, actually, I saw a pen and said, uh, re-elect Michelle Obama for president. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I love it. Too. If only the candidates were based on the wise popularity. Oh, no, they couldn't, because then he could lose looking at Ann Romney. Okay. Uh, well, that says it for tonight. I thank you for your time. Uh, and, uh, again, we appreciate it. Okay. Thanks. I'm rolling. All right, Mr. Bass, please talk about why you thought it was important to have this event tonight. Well, I think it's very important um, for people to come out and vote. I think that, um, you know, it's important for our community to come together and strategize um, our agenda. I think it's very important. Uh, there's so many people in New York, you know, who want to get together. They want to talk about the vote. They want to talk about the debate. There have been so many great debates. I mean, you know, the first one kind of was a, a sleep one. You know, I fell asleep. The second one was great, you know, and we are really uh, trying to uh, really, you know, get the community um, to encourage the community to be more, uh, you know, today. Are you public about your support for any particular candidate, and why have you chosen your support? Let's see, am I voting for Romney? Am I voting for Obama? I think, you know, we have a choice between Romney and Obama. And many people complain about Obama, right? They criticize him, but I think even given the choice, um, I think it's extremely important that we understand when we choose our leaders that we have to also do our part, that we can't sit back and complain about what someone is doing for us, that we have to understand our role as well as our president's role. So what is it about uh, President Obama that speaks to you as a voter? Um, well, I think that I will plead the fifth. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I know that you wrote a book, Growing Up X, and you talk about your experience growing up as a daughter of Malcolm X. Uh, what do you think your father might say about this election and who would he might support? Okay. Uh, are you going to be having more events uh, of this kind throughout the election season and post-election? Yes. I, you know, my father wrote a speech about the board, and I think it's really important to understand that and to understand that he didn't literally mean, you know, we're going to, going to shoot anyone, but understanding our responsibility as human beings, um, understanding our responsibility as men, our responsibility as women, so that we can really empower, inspire, and motivate our children. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to plug the center uh, that's named after your mom and dad and talk about the work that you do. Right. Well, we are actually going to have the next one, the election night watch, because you see we've had, we have a, an overwhelming response. Um, so the election night, oh, it's about to begin. So our election night watch party will be at the Malcolm X and Betty Shabazz Center, and I'll tell you more about that later. Thank you. Okay. Okay.